0: listening to the CC podcast. We promote civic engagement by highlighting the community leaders at UTEP and the El Paso region, while also promoting personal development and civic mindedness. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for everyone listening to our third episode of the CCE podcast from the UTEP Center for Community Engagement. My name is Sofia Andritzos, and I'm joined here by my co-host today, Jonavi Gonzalez. Hi, Jonavi, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How about you guys?
0: Doing good, thank you. So thank you so much for joining me today. And um, we would like to introduce our special guest for today's podcast, Miss Kate Gannon, um, who's a board member of the El Paso Women's Fund and also works with, B- with Zine. So thank you so much, Ms. Gannon, for taking the time to be with us today. Glad to be here. Excellent, so we'd like to, conti- to start off this conversation by, you know, r- we're referencing continuing on in the month of March. Um, we've been highlighting throughout this month with previous episodes the importance of empowering women in our community during Women's History Month, and um, as, a, as a board member of the Women's Fund of El Paso, it's, um, we're so excited to have this conversation with you today. So we'd like to start off by just asking you if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and,
2: and, um, and how'd you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, Well, I'm originally from Massachusetts um, and my uh, father was a teacher and my mother was a nurse um, who had an LVN and my father decided he didn't like winter. And so he drove around the country and wherever he saw a palm tree, he applied for a job and he got hired at Anders High School in El Paso. So we moved out here while I was in high school. So I've been out here uh, for a long time um and and it was interesting we got we got out here and um he had been somebody who went to school late in life he he got his degree uh very late in life he had worked with Raytheon as a draftsman for many years and then uh Raytheon started doing layoffs so he got a different job and uh, you know, he realized, you see, he realized that layoffs were coming. So he got, he went back to school and he got the teaching and that was the rest of his life. He was teaching. And my mother, um, had been a homemaker and she, kn- she didn't even finish eighth grade. She had to stay home and take care of her, um, siblings so that her mother could work. Cause her, when her mother got divorced, um, she had, a, she had five kids. And so my mother, while we were out here, um, went to, uh, community college. And at 45, she got her RN. And so um, my time came and I went to UTAP and I was not the best student the first time around. I was uh, uh, I got into journalism. I was very interested in that. And then I started working in journalism. And I eventually got a job at the El Paso Times and I worked my way up as you know as a copy editor and then into editing. And I took probably about an eight-year break from school. Um, and so I always tell my students it took me 20 years to get my degree. And then I, you know, like so I came back and I went one by one and I and I finally got my degree. Um, And then after that, I came back and I did my uh, master's in fine arts and creative writing, which was a dream that I always wanted to do. And UTEP had the most incredible bilingual creative writing program. So all that sort of a roundabout way to sort of say like, you know, I follow my father's footsteps in teaching, but in a way I was a first generation student in college because my parents didn't follow traditional route. And so I feel a lot of connection with my students, many many of whom at UTep are, uh, you know, the first ones in, and so I think that's probably why I maybe had some trouble the first time around too, is because I didn't understand how to navigate college life, and uh, and it was it was a little complex. So anyway, I then I spent a career at the El Paso Times, uh, primarily as an editor uh, in various sections and then into digital. So I was there when we launched elpasotimes.com, the first website for for the El Paso Times when we went to digital photography, when we made all the digital conversions. And then uh, I went to Colorado for a number of years. Um, I followed my husband who had a position up there with the Coloradoan and the publisher up there hired me. Uh, to do video and uh, multimedia and then other digital. So I started going into more of a digital realm. And then coming back, when we got an opportunity to come back to El Paso. Um, which you know was one of those somebody said, Do you want to come back to El Paso? And we're like, Yes, we love El Paso. So we got to come back and we realized you know, my husband was in the newspaper business and I was in the newspaper business, and it was time to diversify because we again had seen those layoffs. So it's echoing the things that my father went through, eyes wide open, the business is changing. And so um, so I started uh doing some teaching and then at UTEP, uh, the position came open for uh, teaching some of the multimedia classes and journalism, as well as uh, helping being, you know, administrate uh, the content, excuse me, digital content for borderzine.com, which is uh, something I'm very proud of. It is a great showcase for our journalism students. Uh, it, our, our program at UTEP is the, uh, the classroom is a newsroom. And so one of the issues that we saw again in the workforce, and I saw this when I was a hiring manager, is um, not a lot of experience coming in. And back in the day when there were big newsrooms, you could, I could, you could do what I did, which is I went in as a copy clerk. I started writing obituaries, bridal announcements, I would do food runs for the staff. Uh, every night I would you know, go out, pick up food, bring it back. I ran pages up and down to the press, you know, back to the newsroom and, uh, I was able to work my way up because there were a lot of people there. There were a lot of editors who took me under their wing, um, showed me the tricks of the trade and, and I was able to work my way in, you know, sort of coming up in house. That is not a thing that happens so much anymore in the business um, because the staffs have had to consolidate and go so small. And so newsrooms now, or there's newsrooms, traditional newsrooms, and then there's tons of media outlets, digital media outlets are everywhere. And so there's lots of, there's lots of job opportunities or career opportunities, whether you're doing something on YouTube or Instagram, or you're doing stuff in traditional media. And but the problem is they're saying they needed people to come in trained up better, and that's the problem. Colleges had tended to be a place where you you graduate people with good theory but not a lot of practice. And so, border zine is a great opportunity for us to both um, do the hands-on practical for the students. And and border zine is one capstone class, but. All of the work the students do in their in their um, upper level classes can publish on Borderzine. So on the one hand, it's that, and on the other, Borderzine covers border life. It fits a niche in this community that um, hadn't been. Uh, really explored a lot. we talk about life on the border. People have a totally, that's sort of like a whole nother story about what people think about when they think about the US-Mexico border. And so we wanted to have a truer narrative of what that life is like. And so again, very rich experience for our students who are now in high demand because people want, they wanna work with people who have an understanding of diverse communities, binational communities, financial experience. So, you know, UTEP has the program, the UTEP Edge, where we talk about, you know, using, you know, what I call our superpowers, and being from the border is a superpower. So, so that was sort of insight into some of the ways that we could uh, try to um, flip some models around and, 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 and make opportunities for our students who are, you know, we're so far from the East Coast and the West Coast, and we're so far from a lot of media opportunities. So, you know, El Paso is that great place where people can create their own opportunities if they're supported, right? Like if if they have, Um, the tools or the infrastructure or some other kind of support, which is what brings me to the Women's Fund. So um, Kathy Stout who had been a political science professor, she's retired now at UTEP. I had reached out to her about a story we were trying to do about the status of women in El Paso, particularly the economic status. And my students, we do data journalism. And so we were diving through a bunch of data about this community and looking at, you know, some core problems and uh, how poverty, you know, among women, it was a real issue for this community, particularly because a lot of women were also single mothers. So they were the single head of household. And I mean, that wasn't the only thing, but it was, you know, there, these were some issues and there were obstacles to getting education. Um, and, you know, uh, and being able to improve that situation. So I reached out to Kathy Stout because she mentioned there was a study that had been done and I'm like data. I love data. Where's this study? What is it? And, um, and she said, yes. So back in 2004, this was actually a study that was done in our community and that's what launched the women's fund. Um, and so in response to that, the, the a group of women organized themselves, it's an all volunteer organization. And so they organized themselves and created the Women's Fund of El Paso to try to address some of these issues. So because of that, Kathy Stout recommended me to the board, uh, to be on the board. Uh, and I was more than thrilled to uh to join the organization and at that time Asori Gonzalez was the president and I was so very impressed by her and I've been so very impressed by a lot of the um the emerging leaders of our community who um, are on that board so the board is a combination of uh you know it had some uh community leader, women leaders that, that were veterans, like you, you knew them and you know their names, and then these young up and comers, and then just some young women who wanted to be more involved. And so I love that about the organization is that it's um, looking to support on all levels. Um, the, key, the, the, the key thing that the group does, has been doing for years, is running a major fundraiser called Power the Purse, and doing other fundraising efforts to raise money for scholarships. Um, and the cool thing about these scholarships for women and the cool thing about these scholarships is that they're not, they, they can be tied to tuition, they will go to the institution and they can help pay for tuition, but they can also help cover other gap issues. So one of the key things in that study that was done back in 2004, they had uh, like, like, you know, a huge number of single mothers And looking into why can't women go to to college and get a degree or a vocation. And the biggest problem, the biggest challenge was, what do you think? I'm asking you. Because I'm a teacher.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think it's just the culture, you know, um, especially the Hispanic culture. And I know we have
2: stop you. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to redirect you right now. So, so it is access to childcare, affordable childcare. If you have children and you're working, it's very hard to say, I'm going to take extra time to go to school. And you know, that offsets and then you have to put your child in childcare. So in some cases, if you're lucky and you have a good network and there's somebody else who can help watch your children, you know, okay, but increasingly, you know, women don't have access to that, and so childcare um, is very, very expensive, and there's no underwriting that, um, and so that was the first point of attack, and said like, okay, so our scholarships can actually go to childcare, and so we can help offset that cost, so that so that women can be freed up to uh, you know to go to school, and not go into poverty. To to you know or continue in in poverty to to do that so that has been a game changer for a lot of women so they've given out hundreds of scholarships, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships over the years, and it has been uh, a game changer. We you know I'm on the scholarship committee and it is amazing the notes that we hear back from these women. Um, in many cases, they're 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 just. So they feel so supported and they come back and they say to have an organization like the Women's Fund say that, you know, it believes in me makes a really, you know, a really big difference and, and it motivates them. So in many cases, we can't afford like when we're on the committee and we're, we're doing the um, the choices and how much to allocate and it, and it can range from like two fifty to two thousand um, dollars. You know it it's never enough and we're always talking about we need to figure out how to raise more money so that we can build this um because you know you know sometimes but sometimes you're like well two fifty is something and even that is considered uh, encouraging you know there's there is somebody out there telling them we believe in you and we want you to we, you know we want you to go forward so keep at it and so we hear like when they're wrapping up and we've had some who are repeating and you know they're they're all they need is just that little bit to help them graduate like they started and we helped them get in the door and then a couple of years later they're in their last semester they have run out of all of their financial aid options and that just that little bit helps them get the books we we've given them for one one student who's in nursing school she needed um study materials to help supplement her uh, her studies and all of these study materials are pricey and so she was able to use those and graduate as you know as a, in, in nursing and particularly now we have you know students who are applying in in the health fields and you know they're they're diving right into pandemic work and it's just been amazing the other one that we did was uh, a woman was in cosmetology school and in cosmetology school you have to supply all of your own curlers, your mannequin, all of these, these pieces. And again, it was just a couple of hundred dollars, but it helped her um, not stress and worry about how she was going to make ends meet to get that, you know, critical piece of um, material, you know, the, the, the equipment she needed to to train properly. So
1: hey, actually um, listening to you, um talking about, you know, how all these, what the women foundation is what they offer to women in our community um it just makes me think like why what do you think that that's a problem you know do you think that the local government isn't doing enough to actually provide for these resources especially for the women foundation to help out you know in this case with this young lady that she needed help with the materials wise um even it goes to federal government i know they do a lot of out there for them but do you think there's a a fault and and there's
2: there's a definitely there's definitely a gap, right? Okay. We we see like there's a gap in how funding is allocated, mm-hmm. um, and and it's because and and it's tricky. Like we also have issues. Like we we don't we don't give the money directly to mm-hmm. uh, to the to the scholarship uh, recipients. We give it to um, we give it to the um, we give it to the school, or we give it to the childcare center. Right. So so because it gets it gets tricky. Right. Like You you just can't hand over a check to somebody and not know that it's being the way used in the way it's intended. And I think, you know, we're seeing that now. Right. With the stimulus out of the pandemic, it's like, let's get some relief. And this one has relief to parents with children. Right. Because that's been uh, another real stressor. Um, But you know, and then it's, it's just, it's, it's complicated. And I think that's an area where we haven't looked a lot uh, in terms of like, how can we, how can we address these issues? And, and how can we, um, how can we work together? So what's great, you know, with the women's fund is we've just started now. So the big part was trying to just keep that money flow going for scholarships. But now that um, we've got a lot of great, people working on that fundraising element the next the next aspect that we wanted to shore up more is is how to affect policy uh, we you know we call it like how how can we be looking at uh, things and maybe informing our community and our government um, and maybe community leaders organizations about where these gaps are and what might be done and so uh, this is actually where we were looking to uh, try to hire a CARES intern from the university uh, yeah. to do an internship on data. And let's, let's update everything that we can learn about um, the status, economic status of women in El Paso. And you know and one I of the things about. that I find is interesting is that if we can raise wages, right? If we can raise wages for these women um, just a little bit, i believe we could actually move the needle on poverty in el paso right because we know that that's a cycle Mm -hmm. and and if we can um get a higher earning opportunity i know that there are some great efforts in the community about getting more young girls and women thinking about STEM and the idea that you could go into programming or coding or engineering and, and be a, you know, a stronger earner, whether you are, um, doing it fundamentally as, uh, you know, network support, it, uh, well, that's not fundamental, but it's, it's a little common, but, you know, up to, you know, engineering major, uh, you know, innovations, um, there, there can be a lot of opportunity there. Um, and it's like, how do we, how do we, how do we just sort of assess where we are? And so I think that's part of the problem is that nobody's looked at this through the filter of how is it affecting women?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting going back to, you're talking about information wise, I'm an advertisement, uh, major. So, you know, I'm going, <laughs> I'm that's on studying. So that's what it kind of interests me more. And I mean, I know there's studies out there, especially with the Hispanic community, um, that there's miscommunication of a disconnect, like the space that you're talking about, between the government and being able to communicate to them about these resources that are available to them. So the problem Mm -hmm. isn't that there aren't enough resources to help them out. The problem is that there's not a way to communicate communicate to them directly and let them know that these resources are available to them. And you know sure.
2: So, so, yeah. So, so that was the other thing that we were trying to work on was uh, with other groups, right? It, like mm-hmm. there, there's sort of been a, it's still not a quite official thing, but trying to figure out like, can we put together something, what your resources are? Yeah. And, you know, so what is available to you? Should you um, have these various needs? But I will say that there is not an answer for everything. There are gaps. There is no support for childcare. You know, there, it just doesn't exist, you know, so like you can get financial aid for college, mm-hmm. right? Then that's going to help offset your tuition and maybe some expenses, but you don't really get financial aid for childcare, care. Um, and then there are other issues that are complicating that, too. So uh, the YWCA is doing amazing work in this area. The United Way, uh, the Women's Foundation of Texas, are looking at things that are some of the key areas that need to, um, you know, that, that, that can be challenges, right? There may be obstacles. Uh, the other thing would be domestic abuse, right? Yeah. If you were in a domestic, uh, you know, a domestic abuse situation, um, you know, getting out of that could mean that you have a severe loss of income. Right. Um, and then again, you know, you're, you're single parenting, but you also may have other issues needing, uh, you know, trauma therapy, counseling, and that's expensive. That's not, you know, it's available on some sliding scales, but again, it's another thing that if you're trying to figure out if you can feed your children, you know, or, you know, you make this therapy session. Um, so, so, so there are some things like access to that and then, um, uh, you know, building on that, you know, so, so housing, childcare, healthcare, Healthcare is huge, right? You know, so if you're going through any sort of health crisis, or your child is, uh, and we do have clinics and you know things that will help, but we also know in this community, it's huge for deferring, you know, uh, personal healthcare, and that's why we have a lot of chronic issues. So, but that can be information, right? When we have promotoras yeah. who go out and um and and that's a great model. That's a great example of like how do we get this communication out to a broader level. For us, we we try to figure out like how how can we communicate more that we have these scholarships and at the same time try to figure out how we can get more funding so that we can give more of that.
0: Yeah. Wow, Miss Gannon. I mean, I just from you know hearing, especially through um through the course of the pandemic, we've seen that women have been disproportionately affected economically right. um, and in the labor market, you know, you can just, uh, women have been, you know, losing jobs at at unparalleled rates. They're saying that the wage gap is gonna increase several points due to economic inequalities raised by the pandemic. And I mean, a great portion of that is, as you mentioned, has to do with the childcare um, element of, Financing that, um, especially in the community of El Paso, where we see so many single mothers, mm-hmm. it's and and then I feel like that that emphasizes the importance of the Women's Fund even more and mm-hmm. how essential it is to the community providing those funds. You know, whether they be educational or whether they be to help support childcare. I mean, those contributions are essential and so critical to it, advancing um, women's economic opportunity in. Yeah especially in our community and so we can't thank you enough for for all you do and for the for the incredibly important work that that that, that and that provides so much to the community yeah. for Paso. You're, you're,
2: you're absolutely right I mean the the pandemic we really see how fragile um, women's employment is right because there are many of the frontline workers right they were in the restaurants they were in the bars they were you know in retail and and you know hours being cut, uh, you know, and I see this with my students, too, is that, again, for them, how, how, you know, it's a struggle. It's a struggle of like how we're going to do the next thing, you know, as their their families are dealing with this. Um, and, you know, Paso, I think, what is it, one of the largest employers we have is the education system. So we don't have a lot of variety in jobs. We don't have. Uh, big businesses here for people to work at and work their way up through we have a lot of mom and pops we are the city of small business Um, and you know it's it's one thing if you can really uh, find something and niche it and build it up but even now we're seeing like in the pandemic those businesses just crumbled many of them Um, and so you know here you are you bootstrap your way up you you know like the truth is we're talking about people who are hardworking and, and, you know, dedicated, but these things keep, you know, these things come up and it's, and it's not uh, able to sort of get some, some firm grounding. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to tie this into kind of our final question that we have for you today is um, specifically in the community of El Paso. Do you, have you recognized any challenges, you know, um, as as a board member of the Women's Fund, assuming that leadership role, have you experienced any challenges, you know, as a as a woman leader in the El Paso community specifically, or what unique challenges do you think you faced that you overcame, um, either in this role or in this community, that you can kind of shed light on and, and elaborate about?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's similar to what is being seen everywhere, uh, particularly women in leadership roles. Um, you know, one of the things that we know is that women don't tend to just step up into some roles because they're waiting until they're, they wait until they feel like they really have earned it. Right. Like, like they need to know more or they need to be more experienced. And, you know, and we know that, you know, it's just, it's, it's, a thing that's holding women back from just stepping in and saying, "Yeah, I'll try that. Let me do that. Let me see how I do." And, and like I said, in our organization, what's been neat is that you can see <laughs> these young women who say, "I'd like to try something," and and they they get involved, or may, they may be on some of our committees, uh, like our our event committee or our uh, our marketing committee. Uh, so, and then eventually work on you know work their way onto the board. Uh, but that's the other thing that we've been looking at is uh, access and uh, access to leadership opportunities. So a lot of women end up in, like we said, education, uh, health care, maybe uh, nonprofit organizations. They work a lot for non. So if you look at who are leaders, uh, top women in our community, we have we do have some in banking and, and health care, but you know, a lot of them are the directors of nonprofits. And one of the problems in nonprofits is they don't have the money to underwrite sending people to leadership training. So that's another thing that the Women's Fund has started to do is offer uh, another type of stipend to women who want to go to leadership opportunities. So we will underwrite, uh, we will run underwrite an application to Leadership El Paso. We'll underwrite one to Leadership Texas or we'll underwrite parts of, you know, um, some training sessions that will give women opportunities to um, connect and network with other leaders and and learn and grow from that. So, yeah, that's that's a great question, because that's a, another thing that is a, a real um, gap opportunity. So in my experience, I've been very fortunate to uh, be around you know, a number of strong women and I have to say, you know, years ago when I was at the El Paso Times and I was an editor, I was invited to join the executive forum, which is an, an organization of women in El Paso who um, either own or manage, you know, are top managers in their businesses. And that was um, just a great group. And it was mostly a social group. Um, and sometimes, you know, they'd get lectures or, you know, information, but it was just really important for networking. Um, but I've also been good about seeking out women mentors and male mentors too. I've had men, men mentors as well. but um but watching their watching them move in leadership. and I'm gonna say El Paso again, has some really, powerful, very, very, like, they are strong. And when they get together, uh, you know, some of the some of these women groups or women leaders, when they get together, they move mountains. And it's just amazing. Um, So again, another thing that we can really try to leverage is, um, you know, the the leaders, you know, women leaders among us.
0: Definitely. Um, and that's so important and crucial that you mentioned um, just representation. And um, even in a social capacity, that peer connection, that peer mentorship is is so meaningful. And it, and it really helps, you know, with motivation and just seeing your your counterpart and your peer be able to uh, accomplish. And especially as a community of women, I'm sure that uh, the Women's Men also empowers female leaders in the community in that capacity as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's excellent that you mentioned that. Um, That's so great to hear. So before we close out, would you, is there any information about if any of our listeners are interested in learning or getting involved with the women's fund um any any information you can share in that capacity
2: sure yeah so we have uh, our website is the women's fund of ep.org so hopefully you can include that in um, any links uh, and we also have a facebook page uh, uh, and our social uh, our social media so you can follow along there to see um, when we announce the next rounds of scholarships so when we're taking in scholarship Uh, Also, um, you know, the the key thing in here is donations um, like everybody. Right. And particularly during the pandemic, fundraising is even more complex. Um, If people have ideas for that, you know, let us know if people are interested in serving on committees for the board, they can reach out to uh, to us through the website as well. Excellent. I'm going to be cycling off. So we're going to, we always need fresh, fresh folks. And, and, uh, it's, I, I gotta tell you, it's just some of the most amazing women I've been around. They're, they're just incredible.
0: That's, that's excellent to hear. So thank you again, Miss Gannon for taking the time to join, um, Jonabi and I today to have this conversation. Um, it was great. It was great to hear about you and your story and, and, uh, and a little bit more about the, the community of El Paso through the lens of the Women's Fund. It was, it was excellent to hear um, your perspective. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to talk to us today. Thank you, I appreciate the work you guys are doing. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and thank you to our listeners, everyone who's who's uh, listening to our conversation. If you're interested in learning more about the Women's Fund, we'll be including some, some information um, so you can get more involved. And if you're interested in the UTEP Center for Community Engagement, please feel free to um, follow us on Spotify, listen to our other episodes and follow us on social media at UTEP CCE on all platforms. So thank you everyone and have a good one.